This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Right, okay. Here we go, it's match day. Yes, it's match day special time. We're at Lewis Station. We've had <laughs> we've had one or two drinks, nothing more. I'm I'm here with Cher and Robert Plant. Robert Plant, also known as Duncan. <laughs> what do you think about today's game? And, and are you coherent now? After we had quite a few beers already. Well, it was good. We went to the Lockhart Tavern in the Hayward Street. Very good. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, go on. Uh, just loving it. It's classic end uh, end of season. Last home day where we've all had a brilliant time. Late kickoff, plenty of beers, and we're here in Hayward Seat Station. No, we're not. We're at Lewis Station. Oh, we are at Lewis. Yeah. Okay, we were at Hayward <laughs> We were, 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 Absolutely brilliant day out. Uh, classic weather for the end of the season. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> 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 what you could have won. <laughs> are we going to win tonight? <laughs> yeah, of course we are. Yeah, of course yeah. we are. Yeah. Of course we are. Unbelievably, unbelievably, I'm rooting fully for the Sussex contingent here. Little Hampton, we're in the FA Vars today. We all want them to win, aren't we? A Sussex team. We've unbelievably managed to find the only person you could possibly find who's an Albion fan who's supporting bloody Newport Pagnell because he lives near there. He lives there and it's, it's Wedge. You are supporting, well, you were supporting Newport Pagnell because you live near there. I live live near there. A little village called Little Crawley, which has nothing to do with Sussex. uh, And uh, the whole town has been festooned with grey and white all week. We've driven down the motorway today. Every other car was a Newport Pagnell green and white. (laughs) Scars hanging out the roof. Well, they're bunting in Littlehampton as well. 3 0 win over LA. They're absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've got Jim Bowen behind us here. Go and interview Jim Bowen. <laughs> got... Look at what you could have won. <laughs> We've got, we got Duncan of you chatted to. Also in Wicks, we have Dominic Keep and, and, and Alistair. Alistair, you're looking like a, an oven scourer. You're looking like an oven scourer. But yep. you're looking sexy in, I'm, in I'm, that one. I'm feeling a bit like Brian May. I'm ready to crack, I'm ready to crack open the national anthem on top of Buckingham Palace right at the moment. And in fact, on the way down from Manchester this morning, as I was coming past Heathrow and, uh, and Winter Castle, I saw a Lancaster bomber doing circles around the M25 as we were sort of sitting in traffic. But no, I'm really excited about the final match of today. Uh, what a great season we've had. It's just been, it's been, 
It's been a fantastic season. What a bunch of wankers. Yeah, so much so that I only got to bed about four o'clock this morning in Manchester. Brilliant. After having taken my daughter to a gig and now I'm here in Brighton. Well, in Lewis. Ready to tell the bloody truth, right? Last night he was at the MK Don Stadium <laughs> watching fucking My Chemical Romance. With He's sixty-three years old. <laughs> he should not be allowed into a gig like that. He should be better. Look, all his hair's falling off and everything. He should be allowed out. Should he? He should be allowed out at all. Be allowed out. No. Alistair's been just royally here. He hasn't got the words for this. Yeah, you, yeah. You come I'm, in, I'm not a day over you, 62. Are, are you going back today as well? I'm, unfortunately, yes. I'm working tomorrow. So we, we it's just had a long day. Not very good for my carbon footprint. So you travel I, down I really apologise. That's part of our carbon oh, budget I've used. But, uh, you travel down this morning and go back today. I drove down this morning. Wow. That's commitment. That's yeah, commitment. Yeah. Well, Fair play. Well, it had to be done. Last Fair game play. of the season, all that. Yeah. Right. Now, there's a bit of an exciting story here. Uh, on the old bomb board, Brighton official message board, I know Wedge, I know you, Alistair, I know John, who we're going to speak to in a minute, uh, from, from 2004. that. And we've got polo shirts uh, to commemorate that. And they've got, you that, haven't. Yeah, all three of them have got it on. They didn't give me the memo, so I'm not here with that yeah, shirt not, on. Yeah, we're yeah. not in the uh, club. Russell, it's yeah. all right, we're used to you letting us down, so yeah. try not to worry about it. have got a baker's dozen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am, I am, yeah. We've heard from Wedge and his belligerence. We've heard from Alistair. John, John, over to you, John. Uh, what are you thinking about uh, today and the season? Splendid, really. Yeah. Home form has been a bit average, but yeah. <laughs> cigars, cigars and brandy, sir. This is going to be broadcaster, Chris. It's fucking shit. <laughs> no, it's been, it has, it has home been. Home form has been pretty poor, been but home form, I think it's not too much to complain about. Yeah, the home, home form has been comically appalling, hasn't it? I mean, really? home form yeah. is much to complain yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll blame it all on bottle tops and flasks. I know, I know some people that have been to every game this season. Bradders, if you're listening, one of them. He's been to every game. What a season to be an away fan. Get a job, for Christ's sake. <laughs> 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 Alan, you had a fall earlier, but you're okay now. I fell over his flip-flops. He's on the beach already before yeah. the team are. I've, Alan? I've got my flip-flops. I've got my shorts. Alan, I've got my Alan, T-shirt. Josh I'm so oh, happy. It's a lovely so, sunny day. Show us your slot. I am really pleased about this season. I really want to say one thing. Look, look, people keep on saying about the four last-minute goals that we scored, and that's worth one point. They're saying, okay, you know, that's that's because we got where we are. But think about think about the the was it eleven eleven draw games, fifteen sorry fifteen draw games. Imagine if five of those games, which we should have won. We'd be in Europe. We'd be in Europe now because that's two points. Next year. Next year. You're right though. We're yeah, fine margins. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like the old Morgan and Wise thing. You know, we played the right Frankly, note, but wrong, in the wrong order. <laughs> and at the end of the day, see, so we got the points, but in the wrong order, maybe. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and our third and final bewigged man, along with uh, with Alistair and Duncan. It's Dom. Dom, you look like Alan's nan, according to Alan. Yeah. Uh, I take that as a compliment. Uh, I yeah. think it's yeah. uh, meant as a compliment. You're looking Good. very sexy. Thank I'm, you very the, much. The, the ginger like beard and eyebrows with a black and, uh, wig what's is... It's your cake. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really tough wing. <laughs> 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 oh, That's on the podcast now. One, please, wonderful, wonderful. Please, let's mention that he said tough, not impossible. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> determined. <laughs>
There's always a way for everybody. Anyway, John, John, what's your thoughts on the season and, and the day and anything else you want to talk about? I mean, it's been a tremendous season. It's been a fucking tremendous season. The, 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 away, the away games have been absolutely great. Um, home form has been disappointing, can't lie. Uh, obviously, that game against Man U, what a game. Oh, that uh, made up for it. No, I really did enjoy the home game against Leicester, which we won 3-2 in the end. That was a, that was a cracker um, as well. Not as much as the Man U game, but away, away days. Yeah. And just in general, the season has been absolutely oh, cracking. Spot on. I think with those sentiments, spot on. I've noticed Alan, by the way, go back to you, you've got a t-shirt saying fat face. I take personal offence at that a t-shirt. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, my, my, yeah, yeah. My, my face is bigger than your face. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Are you insulting yourself yeah. as well, though, do you yeah, saying? No, I was saying, yeah. I was saying to my wife, actually. Yeah. Thought, my wife said, you put on a bit of weight there. I said, let's <laughs> yeah. go to Russell, because he's, he's taking me out for beers and food. Well, that's good, because I've been blaming my weight gain on you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, taking each other out on yeah. dates, then yeah. you know. <laughs> I mean, Alan, Alan's wearing a turquoise top. Uh, Dom is the only person who's not wearing blue. He's wearing the uh, what, what's it called? Hyper Turk. Hyper Turk. Yeah. I thought uh, I are you feeling hyper in your Turk? I am rather. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it may be the beer, but yeah, that's a great. It's no, a, no, but it's honestly, a great this is a great shirt. And so I thought, you know, last game of the season, let's yeah. crack this bad boy out. Yeah. And finally, third kit, I think, for next season. Do we know what we're getting for our new away? Kit or a new home kit? Are, no, we, si are we seeing it today? Gonna, I think they're going to unveil tonight. Are, today. are they unveiling they today? The new home kit. They did like it for the Man City game. They're probably yeah. Oh yeah, home they home did, home. didn't they? I yeah. do. I do like an unveiling, yeah, don't you? unveil. But it would have been leaked by now, surely, because I think it was leaked before the Man City game by now. I mean, I've had too many beers, so I'm not looking online, so someone else can, but, yeah. I could barely hold this phone up tonight. Nice tit, shame about the face. <laughs> man, man, man boobs and, 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 a, yeah. and a Brian May wig. What could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was watching, uh, there, was, there was, someone was uh, posted something about uh, some of the fantastic goals. I mean, this year we've, played, we've actually scored some brilliant, brilliant goals this year. Yeah. A lot, a lot of goals which were actually goals of the season. Two, two and one goals. The third goal against yeah. Man United. But when I was watching it, actually, I would say the, probably the, the, big, the best goal that we scored was probably the, the Trosso goal at Liverpool. Yeah. When uh, Sanchez passed the ball out wide to Cucurello and then he passed it and then I think uh, I think uh, was it um, Lalana kind of dummied it or something Lalana picked it up yeah. and then it was just an amazing goal and when you look at uh, where Van Dyke was he was completely floundered he was this is Van Dyke he's yeah. never floundered it was unbelievable that was probably the best goal that we scored this year in my opinion yeah that's a really good shout actually yeah I think it's been underrepresented yeah, I think so yeah. I think you're right yeah. I think you're right yeah. And it has been a fantastic season. Yeah. Falling against Man United, a 2 0 comeback draw at Liverpool. You know, some of the games we've had, the, 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 the position we've been in the table for most of the season, we've been above Palace nearly every week this season. And we just need one point to guarantee that today. Uh, maybe maybe even a point isn't needed, who knows for that. But we would like to get the draw, we would like to get the win, just in case Brentford Thrash leads, which we're hoping. Yeah. would happen as long as we win yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah, to finish stop off it's all, it's all exciting
exciting, isn't it? It's been brilliant. And, and we can step on and on and on from there. If, if we win today, we'll only be four points away from a European position. And that, uh, given the points you, you just talked yes. about, the way we dropped because, uh, it, that tells you how well we're doing. We've got 56 and we've got... We, if we win today, we have 51 there yeah. 56. So basically, that's four points yeah, away yeah, from West Ham yeah. who will get a European yeah. conference position. And, so, and who will miss out on a European place... Oh, or a Europa League place if we uh, if we prevent them from winning. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So the lineups are out. Yeah, we got the lineup. So Dominic, back to you. Uh, Sanchez, Webster, Dunk, Lutman, Murray, Kukurea, Basuma, March, Casado, Butters, Butters, Murray, Kuipers, yeah, Kuipers, yeah, Richard Tamora. Gross and Welbeck. Yeah. Yeah. Alan Navarro. Yeah. It's the same. Alan Navarro. Where's, where's Johnny Crumpton, Football Junior? <laughs> Johnny <laughs> Crumpton, Football Junior. Johnny Crumpton, Football Junior. Yeah, so Caicedo, McAllister, right. So anyway, going back to that. So Sanchez is a goal, and then what we've got, what is it again? Webster, Duncan, Veltman. Kukurea, Basuma, March, Casado, McAllister, Gross, and Welbeck. I'm happy with that. Navarro. 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 Just speaking of which, we ran in in the way to Liverpool once, and we got off the bus to me, and Kevin McLeod's was it his uncle was on the bus monitoring the buses he goes oh uh, our um, our lad uh, Kevin was uh, playing for you I said oh who was that Kevin McLeod he goes yeah oh we went oh right yeah 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 couldn't really say anything complimentary yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway there we go there we go so we're at Lewis we're about to get the train we've had a few bits haven't we Duncan and very quickly we're not at Hamesley we were there just a quick word to the place we're in which you recommended Duncan quick word about that oh Lockhart Tavern oh, yeah. actually Amazing. Amazing. What a great place. Lovely girls serving at the bar. Absolutely amazing beers, amazing Best Best pork I've ever had. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. And great wine. Great wine. But that's another The wine is really good, according to Duncan. Where was your best pork? Duncan's a wine man, by the way. What's that? Sumptuous breast of chicken. And the Yorkshire pudding was like the Queen's crown to celebrate the platinum jubilee. The jubilee. You can't be a good jubilee, can you? Can't be a bit of royalism. Anyway, lads, we're going to be on our way. Are we on our way? We're almost on our way. We're on our way. We're on our way.
Better than you, Kevin. Doing the podcast stuff. I know I don't like to impose. 82, 83 minutes in. Come from behind with 2 1 up. How are you finding this? Uh, it's wonderful. Pascal goes. It's the new year on his contract. It's yeah. two years. There's rumours he'll say. We were thinking we want you to say. Do you reckon he will say? No, um, he will say. He's got to say. Goes through a contract to believe the, um, to believe the press. And, um, He's played well, lovely choice terms, worth 30 admission money alone for those. <laughs> he's done uh, two or three today, hasn't he? He's played really well, he's done 
and um, just watching a, a, a late West Ham attack there. West yeah. Ham have been, you know, quite disappointing really on the basis that they they really built. But a top six, uh, are they? On the basis they that they really look top six. They look mid table. Win for win for Europa, and they've been quite negative really. Yeah. Boys just shoved two late substitutions on. Yeah. Uh, not quite sure who they are, but um, he obviously believes in them. I just hope yeah. Alvin can, um, can hold out for a deserved yeah. uh, win, really. Yeah. Not for mine, win would be delicious. All sorts of shenanigans going on elsewhere. Can you believe the title race? We're finding out City were 2 0 down to Villa, now 2 1 down. Liverpool are drawing with, with Wolves. And now Pace is still. Meantime, back at the Amex. Getting the wig on. Oh, uh, uh, and now Pace is what? to uh, Morpé, who's been the sub for the last 15 minutes or so. What's he going to do? That's a cuckoo. Can we get it in the box? We'll stay with us for a moment for this dramatic, dramatic moment. Lamptey drills one in from distance, just over. Amazing. I've got to get your views on it, John. I'm doing the podcast. Now, you're, you've been coming here for years and years. You, yeah. You've had a season ticket for years. You're from Eastbourne, yeah. but you do have an affiliation with West Ham, don't you? Being a West Ham <laughs> supporter, I think all the goals are offside. <laughs> Come on, you've got to admit, we, we deserve this. Yeah, you deserved it. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, and it is your second team. How long do you reckon it needs to go before it becomes your first team? Is it the next five seconds? It might be right now. John, if we score now, you have to affiliate yourself with us. Here we go. Ball to the box. Oh! Chipped in. Well back. Tame header of the goalie. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Anyway, over these years, it's been a pleasure having a chat with you, having a seat, having a talk, having a, a natter about football. I've never seen West Ham win. And you've never seen West Ham win here, which is an absolute, absolute comfort to me at and this, a joy. At this place, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. I've never been at the Goldstone, though. Yeah, well, if you're going to away games in the modern era, don't expect anything more. <laughs> Sanchez collects the ball in from the side. He's taken his time. We've got, according to the clock, four minutes to go. Plus yeah. stoppages. Albion winning 2-1. As it stands, the Albion are going on to 51 points. That's right. We're already on a record score, but that's pretty good, isn't it? You must have, through the years, you've been watching this since the championship and everything else. This is the best sort of, you know, best. It's brilliant, isn't it? I've ever it's brilliant. Seen. It's brilliant. We've been good. We've been good, haven't we? Still offside, though. <laughs> If you say so, if you say so. And here we go. And Tariq is breaking through. He's beaten two or three players. Laid it inside. Oh! For a moment, it looked like Morpay was slipping well back in. Central, just outside the box. And it was intercepted. Anyway, we're winning 2-1. And here come the songs again. Well, back to more pay. Go on, Mops. Ah, oh, it's blocked again. Cuckoo. Cuckoo on the rebound. Chips it in. Well, back too far. Who's that? Mwepu. Mwepu's got hold of it. Someone else. 
Uh, they've snuffed out, snuffed out the danger. But what a great final phase of the game for us. We're now three minutes from the end of stoppage time. We're 2-1 up. The ascendancy is still with us. And here we go. We're on the ball. Lamptey. Inside. Can't see who that was. Play to Morpe. Again inside. Grosh. Oh, it's McAllister. It was before. So, to McAllister. Back to Grosh. Webster. Back to Grosh. To Webster. We're just bossed in the midfield at the moment. Chip ball forward. Welbeck. Is he going to make it? He's kept it in. But he's lost possession. And now it's back for the Albion. McAllister intercepts. Gone to Webster, play forward. Got out of play. But listen to this. John's leaving. Unlucky, John. See you next time. John from Eastbourne. As it stands, Kevin, we're on 51 points if we can hold this out. Do you think we'll hold out? Do you think we could score again? I think we will hold out. I uh, reckon it's 3-1 this game. I think... Oh! Picareas, uh, right in the face. Right in the face. He's face down on the pitch. Uh, His hair is sprawled out another five yards. He's moving. He's taking a proper, proper whack there, isn't he? Well, and Pascal Gross announces now the match with the sponsors. He's brilliant, isn't he? He's done at least two of his old twists, hasn't he? Right. You gotta love him. You gotta love him. Um, that's gotta be a free kick, surely, to Brighton. Listen to this, Pascal Gross. Oh, we want you to stay. Here we go. Free kick to Brighton. One minute left. Can't be much stoppage time. What could go wrong? Can't remember. Can't remember any stoppage. It's got to be minimal, surely. Well, exactly, yeah. Liverpool are now winning, by the way. Wow. Oh! City are winning 3-2. They've scored two more goals. City and Liverpool are both winning now. Unbelievable. Two goals in about five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. Come on, Meantime, back at the Amex. We're on the attack. Lamptey, Webster, Lamptey, forwards. Pascal gets it in the box. It's out for a corner. we got a corner. Yeah, please stay off the pitch at full time. Is a sign on the pitch uh, on the scoreboard. I'm, I'm I don't know about you, Kevin. I'm paragliding down, aren't you? <laughs> Zip wire tassie. Right, here we go. Here we go. Ball comes in. Web, well back. 
Welbeck. And Welbeck has run, has run down. He's celebrating with somebody. He's celebrating with someone down by the pot sign. Somewhere near the managerial area. What a goal. Beautiful cross, beautiful header, bottom corner. Three one up. We we have top top ten, Kevin. Top ten. Welbeck ran to somebody just to the left of the um The West Ham fans are flooding out. See you later, you homophobic pricks. Anyway, Welbeck, when he scored, he ran straight back down towards the um, the area directly to the left of where the manager is. Celebrating with somebody, I don't know who it was. Something significant. They never beat us. They never beat us. And now our home form's actually looking alright for a change. Anyway, there we go. 3 1 win today. Top off. What today? More features, more opinion coming up soon. But just have a listen to this.
Right, Chalky, I'm doing a podcast. Right, mate, mate, mate. So you're Jack, are you? Yeah. Jack, you're on the podcast. What do you think about today and the season in general for the Albion? Well, We've had some struggles this season at home, haven't we? The away game to be brilliant. Uh, we've been brilliant away from home. But at home, it's been a struggle. The last couple of games have been superb. But I've seen you here coming and going in this front row of the West Supper. Uh, along, with, along with Chalky, your, uh, all, all the other people that you're coming with. And um, you, you must have thought at uh, moments, you thought, ah, oh, could this get any worse? You know, watch as a home, as a home thing. Jack, anyway, it's a pleasure talking to you. All the best. See you next season. Yeah, you too. Kevin, final words from you as well. Wonderful. Wonderful season. Great season. Well deserved. a sticky patch in. January and February, but yeah. you know, away from uh, hopefully the last two games against United and uh, West Ham will be, um, you know, follow through next next season. Yeah. Uh, I, I really think the crowd's important. The last two games, fantastic atmosphere against United. Yeah. Uh, today's been pretty good because yeah. we've seen some good stuff on the pitch. I just, I just really wish that the home crowd. Good, uh, you know, to be more vocal when when yeah. when we're playing well but not scoring the goals. Yeah, there's that element of people getting frustrated. We're talking Leeds at home, Newcastle at home, yeah, exactly. Arsenal at home, get behind them, and, and, you know, Norwich at home. All those games. Yeah. So always, Hill always, Hill. always some people think, all oh, right, entertain this type of thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and but you know, it's it's a good, fantastic, and yeah. and I think they'll do. You know, they'll do good business in the summer. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, the most players will stay. I'm hoping the Zuma will play, but I don't know. Um, maybe got the substitution of him yeah. this afternoon is an indication that he's, he's fine elsewhere. Uh, but they've got able substitution, uh, able yeah. replacements, I think. Um, and I think, I think the midfield, the last, you know, three or four games have been an absolute revelation. Because they hold an attacking threat, yeah. and they hold a, 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 a threat on the break as well, you know, which, yeah. which yeah. in the past, you know, um, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, onward and upward. Isn't it wonderful? And here we are, final game of the season, everyone's staying pretty much. We're going to have the fans, uh, sorry, have the players coming back out soon. There's a party atmosphere. Everyone's having a good time. Yeah, there's someone in baggy 70s pajamas, and what can I? I can only describe as a an orange dressing gown or or a raincoat.
There's a very burnt shoulders, isn't there, Joe? A little bit too long on the big side. In the West End upper, front row, with a pipe. Yeah, I just straight. Uh, sorry, sorry, Rafa. Sorry, FIFA. I know you've been great for the game and you've been you've been straight down the line and, and not corrupt, but I'm sorry I'll see to bite you. Listen, I know we've got nothing in particular to celebrate, but pretty sure about the scum, mate! Finishing above the scum! The, the only ah. you know what, the only other time we've done this. In the modern era, they beat us in the fucking playoffs. That's gone now, we're the better club. This is it. Find the cap, you wankers. They had, in their 12 year history, we've just shown them who's the boss. 12 year club, nothing club, bye bye. Chief, this is only going in one direction, mate, isn't it? Absolutely. Listen to this. There's a tiny, tiny black kid running around on the pitch. Terry Lampton! Shiba records this, Terry Lampton. Right, let's get your your mum Pam in. Pam, let's get a word from you. So, you, you've had to cope with being Shiba's mum for all these years. How has that been, first of all? Well, a challenge at times. <laughs> but he's been an Albion fan, and so is his dad, and so is his mother, uh, forever. He's a passionate man. He's a passionate fan. Uh, you're in the Albion top as well. How are you five here? I remember going to the Albion at the Goldstone all those years ago. Same as me. Yeah, absolutely lovely. Fantastic day, fantastic what a day, what a season, what an era. Five years, it's going to be six in the top right. Graham Potter, amazing, eh? Absolutely incredible manager. He's been absolutely superb. It's been a pleasure meeting you, chatting with you, enjoying games with you. We're going to, we'll pass it back to Shibo for a final one, but it's great chatting to you, Pam. Chiefs, they're all coming back onto the pitch. So far for a table, we know what we are. We know what we are. We know what we are. Top off the table. We know what we are. So here we are, a good 15, 20 minutes after the final whistle. The players are going around the pitch. They're coming towards the West Upper, where Alistair from Manchester is resigning for one game only. Your first time in the West Upper. Uh, you're wearing your Brian May May wig as well. How have you found it? Yeah, it's been great. Really good views from up here. I had to sit in the west stand. I've sat in the east, the south and the north. I normally stand in the north. But uh, yeah, really good. Lovely to come up here and see you. And here comes Graham Potter towards us. Yeah. 
He's applauding the fans. Fantastic. Graham Potter leading them, applauding us. He's got the whole squad behind him. All the wags in tow as well. We want you to stay! Pascal Gross! We want you to stay! We want you to stay! Pascal Gross! We want you to stay! I mean, there's about 40 or 50 people on the pitch here, isn't there? Yeah, lots of kids. There was one kid that we think it was Basuma's boy dropped it in. Yeah. Oh no, or was it Lampertes? Anyway. Yeah, a great goal uh, from the little ones there, you know, future talent in the academy. The future. But actually, that goal by Pascal Gross, a gross turn yeah. and a goal straight out of Oh, amazing. It was beautiful. Amazing. And it was right in line with us where we're sitting right here, wasn't it? So it was a thing of beauty. And West Ham has still not beaten us in the Premier League. Isn't that funny? It's hilarious. Just a quick message to the homophobes. Have a good trip home, boys. You are still living in the 1970s. <laughs> I can't believe that homophobia is still existing again. I, I was on the train today. I was so pleased that we had um, uh, that player from Blackpool come out. Yeah. Uh, until we start having players it, it, it needs to become. It needs to just become normal. It doesn't need to be something that we even talk about. It just needs to be like, the, like in the same way that I don't talk about what I've eaten for, for tea the night before. You know, it just needs to be a next thing, but. Until it does, then we need to be advocates and we have to be supportive of people who are gay, players that are gay, yeah. uh, or LGBTQ, QI, plus, plus, and all of the, all the others uh, within the game. So, The Sumer is addressing the Norstad in a navy shorts and top outfit. He's doing his little jinking move. Oh, yeah. A little bit of banding on his on his uh, right and his right yeah. ankle there. And Alistair, I've not seen you for a few weeks. We were talking about it in the pub earlier. Uh, I wasn't at Leeds, and neither were you. Uh, you weren't at the Man United home game. I, I was uh, at Wolves, but you weren't there. You were at um, Newcastle and a couple of other places. I wasn't there. I haven't seen you for a while. I was at Arsenal. You weren't. Covid, and then you missed the Spurs game. Yeah. However, we've, between us, we've had quite a few good, enjoyable times, haven't we? We've done all right. Well, I think the team's probably done better than we have, personally. But yeah. well, I, I put it all down to us, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going back today. You are going back on the same day, back yeah, to Manchester. I drove down, from Manchester. drove down from Manchester this morning, left at eight, and uh, hopefully I'll be back home before midnight. But if I'm not, then it'll be one o'clock, won't it? Sure, like, that's a hell of a commitment, really, isn't it? We've been on the beers, and you've had to sit there watching us do that. Yeah. That's not going to be easy, is it? Yeah, really? no, no. But I'm going to have a nice piglet's pantry pie. Yeah. And um, listen to a podcast on the way home. Yeah. Maybe even one of these. Yeah. Who knows? All I could say in, in finality is you've been spending the whole time here in the West Upper with your cookery uh, and wig on. There's hardly anyone around doing the same thing. You didn't seem to care. <laughs> getting a bit itchy and stretchy. <laughs> well, we'll leave it there. Honestly, safe trip back. It's always the right having a chat. I love you. You've been brilliant on the uh, taking over on the match day specials when I've not been able to do it. Thank you for that, can oh, I say I as well. I, I, um, it's, it's been great to listen to the podcast through the year. Yeah. And uh, all, all the best for the, for the future for the podcast going forward. Oh, thank season. you very much. Thank you again. And... 
these are for the good times, aren't they? We've got a sixth oh, yeah. year in a row in the Premier League under a brilliant manager playing brilliant football with great players. Including this man being sung about in the background, Mark Cooper Ayer, yes. for whom you have the wig. On that note, we'll sign out. Good night. It's been a pleasure. See you, you later. See you. Cheers. Here we go. Look, come on. Just a very quick chat, Tesh. Malcolm, Cheshire, as we, as some of us know you, uh, you've been behind me a couple of rows behind all the way through the Amex era. We've gone from the Championship into the Prem. We've settled in the Prem, and we are now thriving in the Prem, aren't we? Top half for the first time in our history. I think um, yeah. highest position definitely in our history and highest points total in the Premier League era. Uh, what do you make of all that? <laughs> well, it's just superb, isn't it? Um, Tony Blues has had a vision. He says top ten. Yeah. And you think how good is? It's crazy, this guy. And you know, despite some mean different results, yeah. top ten he gets. You know, yeah. so um, Tony Blues has got promotion to the. Uh, Premier League, yeah. and we get the motion to Premier League, you know, yeah. a few years back, so we just, you know, we're staying there, so. It's sensational, um, isn't it? I think it is great having, um, you know, a good management team, good director, yeah. uh, and chairman, yeah. uh, behind the club, really, and, uh, we were seeing, uh, as a chief. See ya! <laughs> Duncan has arrived on the scene. Um, yeah. So we were just seeing as a chief, you know, everything yeah. um, we set out to do, which is great. It's, it's been a great structure, we've deserved this, haven't we? It's been, it's been a build up of, a number of things coming together, component parts, it has, yes, plans yes. towards our future. And this is, I think, the first major step that we can really see in what what we can really do. We could step up with it. We could become regulars in the top half. I yes. think that would be a, a, a not beyond the realms of possibility ambition. Yes. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, very much, yes. You know, I think as uh, probably... Uh, um, the gaffer would say, you know, it's Mr. Potter. It, uh, well, let's see what happens next season, you know, and the next game, you know, is it going too far ahead of ourselves? Um, next season to come, the next, yeah. next game, the next season to come. Yeah. Uh, but yes, why can't we just go and achieving, uh, what yeah. we are aiming to do and top half finish? Yeah. yeah. And very quickly now, just to quickly get a bit of background on you. Um, you're an Eastbourne man, aren't you? Well, you are now at the moment. Uh, where are you from originally? Uh, Bergeshire. Still. Yeah. You're in Eastbourne at the moment, is that? Uh, no, Hastings. Oh, Hastings. Hastings, right. yeah. Hastings. The Far oh. East. <laughs> ah, the Far East. House of the Rising Sun, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, you've been down here a few years, but you were called Cheshire by a number of us that yes. know you, because you were living in, in that in area Chesha, for a while. Right, you're one of a number of exiles. How, how have you found it since you've been back? You've been back a number of years now, but yes. how have you found the difference? Coming back to Sussex, how's it been for you? I am, but I, I, football wise, I don't need to choose the right time because um, I moved down on that uh, last year at Dean, which of course was yeah. promotion year, and since then it's being at the Amex, which has been, you yeah. know, sort of uh, apart from the hypia season, but it's, other than that, it's been a good, good, uh, good evening yeah. at the uh, Amex, so. Yeah, hippie uh, season wasn't, wasn't that great, was it? No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> we've had some, uh, some downs, but we've had a lot of ups somewhere, and it's been a pleasure, it's been a pleasure knowing you through these years. But it's been particularly good to have you just a couple of rows behind us, having known you all those years, and celebrating a number of good moments. Uh, today's one of those, isn't it? Definitely, 51 yes. points, oh, highest position, yeah. highest points table, and we've, we've still never been beaten in the top flight in the Premier League era by West Ham, which yes, is quite amusing. True, yes. Given their homophobia on the train today, yeah. on my way down, I'm, I'm particularly amused by that. Yeah. Anyway, it's a pleasure getting you on. Let's get okay. you back on at some point <laughs> in the future. Okay. Well, I'll let you get away. I know you have to get away. But uh, 
all the best and up the Albion. Eh? Yes, very much up the Albion. See you all. Um, so now, in the cold light of day, we sit on the following evening, Monday. Uh, Peter and I yeah, have been joined for this, this well, full match review of the game by Mr. Raymond Wright, the gent. Hello, Raymond. Uh, good, good evening, uh, Russell, and uh, or good afternoon, and, uh, and to Peter. So this is the last season before one before we start gearing up for next season. Yeah, well, yes, indeed. Yeah, we'll probably do some summer specials or something like that. But this is the this is definitely the last episode before the next one. I can say that much. Um, <laughs> and it's a pleasure to have you with us. We, we were all at the game on um, Sunday. I, I've been having a real problem with getting my head around the fact that it was a Sunday uh, yesterday. I kept thinking it was Saturday, and I kept thinking today was Sunday. R- real nightmare. But anyway, um, it is Monday. <laughs> the game was yesterday, Sunday, and we were all there. We didn't, um, Peter, we didn't see each other then, so I'm going to get all your views on the match first time uh, from you in a moment. Um, Raymond, we, I did see you, of course, at the, at the game, post-match and pre-match. Um, and oh, it was a great day out, wasn't it? Fantastic. Did you enjoy the uh, the pre-match in Hayward Teeth as well? well I, I thought Hayward Teeth was very good. I have to say that the size of the of the helpings is the sort of size I used to get up in Yorkshire when I, when I was at school. And uh, it's all this idea of nouveau cuisine, where you pay more for less, um, I have to say was knocked on the head by the Lockhart Tavern in Hayward Heath. Good range of beers. Anybody wants a good thing and really good value for money for the food. Uh, and if you want a decent-sized portion, you're certainly going to get it now. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is, though, Raymond, I'm, I'm not sure you're ever satisfied because you were stealing someone else's lunch, first of all, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, something went wrong on the ordering, and somebody else ended up with the lamb, and I ended up with the beef, which is what I wanted in the first place. But it was good, and uh, but, uh, you know, the service was efficient, and uh, yeah. you know, I, it, we had a good time. And it was—I yeah. mean, I, I drove over to uh, the Amex afterwards to the bridge car park, and uh, you know, it took us just over half an hour, but it, it was sort of fairly seamless and easy. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was good. And the rest of you, of course, fought on the train. And had lots of shenanigans, yes, that's right. <laughs> it was good fun, actually. It was a good bit of banter. And um, the, the, the thing with the Sunday lunch, I, I really can't get my head around it. It was Sunday. So when, when they had all the roast offers, I thought, oh, oh yeah, it's Sunday. I'm really, really having problems with that. But anyway, anyway, um, yeah, it was a good day. Uh, I think we set ourselves up nicely, ready for the, uh, for the match action. And um, despite the fact we went a goal down in this game, um, very disappointingly, late in the first half. Um, it all ended up well in the end. Um, what did you make of the game, Raymond? You've got your hand up. What do you, well, what uh, you uh, uh, I think we were all nicely set up for the game. I wasn't so convinced that we were well set up for the game, at least I, we, the Albion, uh, judging on the first half performance, because other than one spell from about 10 to about 18 minutes, I felt that West Ham were the stronger side, and uh, Looks more organised, and mm. uh, I think you know, they 
if either side was going to be ahead, it deserved, uh, West Ham deserved to be. Um, you know, we, we, we were having difficulties and it was the two tactical changes, I think, that Potter made at half time made a difference. Mm. Yeah, it really did. And I think we came out all guns firing as well, which, which made for a, a pretty good, um, start to the second half and a good recovery. Um, Peter, I'll come to you in a second. Just to say the lineups for Sanchez and goal. We had Veltman, Webster, Dunk, Kukurea at the back with Grosh, Basuma, Pesedo, March, McAllister and well back up top. Um, and, um, so no Trossard. He wasn't in the team at all. We think it was a minor calf injury that might have kept him out. Uh, we did use all three subs later in the game. More pay came on, on half time for Basuma, which is an early one, uh, which is obviously feeds into what you just said, Raymond, about changing things up. Um, we had Lamptey on for March on 75 and Wepu came on for Caicedo on 79. Anyway, Peter, yes, over to you, sir. I was just going to say, I, I agree with Raymond that West Ham were the better team first half, but I do think, I don't think they really created anything. If you look at the stats, they had two shots on target and I think the other one was pretty much straight at Sanchez other than the goal. They, the, the goal looked a pretty clear foul, both at the game and replay as well. Be, I mean, dunks in the air and, Antonio barges him basically and it's a following that's a brilliant finish another one where you look at it and you think well what's VAR doing really why are they not you know asking the referee to go and look at that again because it looked pretty looked to me like it was definitely a foul and mm. so I mean I'm not sure West Ham actually deserved to be ahead of half time because for all their high press and putting it under pressure they didn't actually create anything much really except the goal um, and then second half it was a, yeah, a completely different game and I, from what I heard Pesuma might have been ill during the week I read somewhere which explains A, why he wasn't quite with it in the first half, and B, why he was substituted at half-time. But it was then brave to bring on Mopé, and from the minute, from the first minute of that half, we were all over them. I thought we, we pushed high, we pressed them high. They looked like they, they, it was very odd, I thought, from Moyes, because they obviously were quite tired. They obviously played quite a few games. They played a high press, which obviously is quite tiring anyway. And then he didn't make any subs until just after we had 2-1 up and 10 minutes to go which was a very odd decision in my mind. I mean, they obviously still wanted to get Europa League football. So he was moaning about his players and saying they didn't give their, you know, didn't give enough for him. But actually, I'd say he should take a share of the blame there because he didn't make any changes. We dominated the half for 35 minutes and he, it took us going 2-1 up for him to make all three changes in one, which is a, a bit of a desperate measure, really, to be honest, as I said. So mm-hmm. I think he shares as much of the blame from the West Ham side as uh, anything else. But yeah, Potter got it completely right second half. We, we pushed them high up the pitch. We put them under pressure in their defence. Really, you know, we should have scored a couple more probably. Arguably, Welbeck had he straight the keeper when he should have done better. Uh, he also missed the chance on angle where he arguably could have scored as well. It was one or two other decent chances as well. And we, we had some shots blocked as well. So I think we could, yeah, if anything, the 3-1 in the end flattered them. And in a way, I was actually more positive about that than the Man U game, mainly because we were without Trossard and then Basuma the second half and we still performed like that, especially against a team who were slightly potentially tired. But Still, you know, we, we, we played that second half without two of our key players, one of whom is probably going to be gone next season, maybe the other one possibly, so. Mm. Raymond? I was just going to say, um, that in the first half, um, Webster seemed to be playing in the middle of the three at the back. And he didn't look that confident. He always, when he comes back from injury, seems to take several matches before he gets back up to speed. And that was noticeable. He, and he seemed to, slowing things down from the back and at half not at half time but just a few minutes after half time I noticed that Webster moved to the left of the three with Dunk in the centre the result was that we were suddenly moving the ball out of defence that much quicker 
And that ma- that made the difference. Um, I thought we missed Trossard, because Trossard, people don't always notice, about a covering back he, he was doing on the left side in front of uh, Cucurella. Mm. And Cucurella wasn't getting that shielding, you know, that extra support, um, yesterday, because there wasn't anybody playing in an advanced position mm. on the left. Um, and you know, I think that that made a difference. Um, and I think I felt that the Webster one made more difference than the, than the other change, which obviously bringing on on Morpé. I thought McAllister did very well, by the way, when he went into the deeper position and was actually more effective than he had been further forward. Um, so I would assume a, I, I take your point. He did. He had moments, but he didn't. He wasn't as as strong as he had been, I think, Peter, in, in other recent games. Um, so, but I think Morpé then putting their centre-backs under more pressure, having both Welbeck and Morpé sort of pressuring them higher up the pitch, I think made a difference. And it also meant that, is it uh, uh, Kufal? He had so much time and space in the first half, which he didn't get in the second half which I think made a lot of difference to them. Every time they wanted an outlet, he was there with you know, with half the Amex pitch um, open to him. On the other hand, I thought we did a very good job on Bowen. Mm. Yeah, yeah. England's new hope, as some are describing him, is likely to feature maybe in the World Cup. We don't know yet whether that'll be the case or not. We have kept some other England players quiet, haven't we, like Kane? But, um, yeah, he, he was kept really quiet, Bowen. And, I mean, what it's worth, sorry, um, we had 18 shots in the game. I mean, that's yeah. a high number of shots. Um, Maybe not walk in half, probably. But since the Norwich game, the last Norwich game at home, where we had, I don't know, a ridiculous number of shots, up to like 30, um, we suddenly started scoring goals. Uh, you know, we scored something like 11 goals in whatever it was, eight games, but it's, hmm. I mean, yeah, there was suddenly a whole change. I mean, I mean, three against Wolves, three against West Ham, four against, uh, um, yeah. uh, uh, United, Man United. Obviously we scored also against Southampton, um, and, and one against Leeds. So there's, you know, suddenly, uh, those extra chances that we weren't burying before, uh, we were. And I think the exception, the exception to that was the game against Leeds where we could have certainly, I think, buried more than we did. And we're getting the goals are coming from all over, which is what I've, I've always said we needed. And I do think Graham Potter's system is built not so much around strikers. It, it's quite similar to what Man City are doing overall in terms of they're not relying on a striker and they've got they're trying to dominate the possession and get the goals coming from wherever. And obviously we've been nowhere near as good as Man City are doing that element of it. However, now that we are getting some goals, they are coming from all over, aren't they? Casado, we've had Mwepu, we've had, obviously, Basuma's managed to get a goal and his strike rates are not great. Um, and obviously Gosh. Pascal Grosch has come into it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, the Danny Welbecks of this world have weighed in uh, with a couple more goals as well. Um and that's been the key. That's been the difference. And if we can continue to work and function successfully in that regard, we don't have to worry too much about strikers. I do think we'll sign a striker probably, um, regardless of whether Morpé um, goes anywhere or not, um, because we do need the options. We need to have different ways we can play. But I do think Graham Potter would like and favour playing in a way that involves the midfield having a greater degree of significance in the attacking third. 
particularly in terms of shots. And we did have more shots on and off target than West Ham. That was the significant difference in the stats. We had exactly the same amount of possession, according to the BBC site anyway. Um, and, you know, all, most of the other stats were pretty much on a par. But we had, we'd obviously created more, more opportunities, which is great to see. Um, and we mentioned the first half. With the, with the goal, I mean, Peter, you've said definite foul. I've had a look at it. I, at the time, I actually missed the goal because I'd sneaked off early to the loo. I've got a habit of missing goals at the moment at the Amex. Um, but I, I missed it firsthand, had a look at it on TV since. And I do think I could see why they might have just brushed over it a bit because it, from certain angles, it looks a bit, a bit weak, like it wasn't strong enough. But because he's jumped in the air and then been fouled while he's in the air, that's very similar to the Sheffield Wednesday playoff scenario, isn't it? Where he, he was airborne, he was pushed but much more deliberately than the, the West Ham one, to be fair. Um, and subsequently couldn't get to the ball where he would have been able to. The ball by chance landed in the goal directly uh, for what should have been a cross. Um, in this particular instance, it's Antonio challenging with Dunk. Dunk goes over. Uh, a cracking shot from Antonio, to be fair to him. But nonetheless, yes, it looked like a foul to me. Was it a matter of it not being clear and obvious enough in the referee's eyes or the or VAR's eyes? I don't know. I'm not sure. It seemed a bit harsh. Yeah, I mean, it's not as bad as the Mope one against the Burnley, but which was like literally when he shoved him <laughs> two-handed in the chest. But it, to me, it was. I mean, I think the fact he's, yeah, if he's on the ground, I get why they didn't give it. But because he's on in the air, I think it should should have been given because even a slightest push in the air. As, as with Kukurea against the Lampster as well, when he was jumping and the guy kind of shoved him or whatever yeah. and, and got away with it as well. And it, yeah, I think if you're in the air, you can't touch a player because... It's not like, yeah, if it's on the ground, it's, you go shoulder to shoulder. But if you're, they're in the air already, it kind of, any, any touch will put them off and it, yeah, it's not. Unless you're mm-hmm. jumping for it. But if you're on the ground and pushing them like, like Antonio did, well, and then, yeah, I, well, I think it should be a foul. Well, Raymond, it doesn't, it doesn't seem right. Uh, I think I'd agree with Peter. It doesn't seem right to be able to do that. But is it permissible actually to have a, a milder effect on a player because he's in the air and you get away with it? It's, I don't know what the rules are on that, but what did you make of the, uh, the incident anyway? Well, I mean, my, my, it's interesting, different sport, but, um, rugby. But if, if a player sitting in the air going for the ball and, and a player takes him out, unless he's actually seen to be challenging for the ball with his eyes on the ball, that's a penalty. Mm. Uh, near yeah. every pitch. Now, I'm not suggesting that, but it's, um, well, I think it could certainly be a free kick, but one wonders if a bit of fine tuning of the law that actually they should look, if somebody goes into a player who's in the air and he isn't challenging, I think he has to be careful how he does it. Because the player could land awkwardly, you know, break a limb, um, you know, any number of things. So I, I think there is a, a, even if you're playing a game in this contact sport, there is an element of duty of care. And I, I just wonder if that there should be something in, in the rules about if you, you know, if a player is already in the air and you move into him effectively, whether that should be a, a free kick or something like that. I think it's mm. something perhaps that the authorities could look at. If they're going to be worried about concussions, which quite rightly they are, I think you've got to also look at that. And I think quite a lot of times people get knocked in the air and land awkwardly and, and are badly injured. So it, it is an area of the game I think they should perhaps examine. Mm, yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, irritating to concede like that. And if it had have cost us 
Uh, for example, if, if we hadn't been able to get back into the game, if, if the dynamics from there had gone differently, you know, it could have cost us anything up to nearly nine million pounds in terms of positions in the table, dependent on other results. We could have finished anywhere from eighth to, is it thirteenth or fourteenth? I think it was. Fourteenth. And, and so, for, so yeah, so um, six positions. We're talking, um, well, talking over ten million. I think it was thirteen of, was the yeah the, the difference hmm. between the two. Obviously, yeah. we didn't quite get to the highest point of that in the end. We had yeah. we got eleven more than we got. I think realistically, we've probably by turning that game around, we've probably earned ourselves about nine mil, haven't we? Which yeah. is which is brilliant, superb. But I wouldn't yeah, mind earning yeah. myself nine mil an hour. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. I mean, the question I would actually ask: if we hadn't conceded that goal, then would we have actually come out so possibly in the second half? Ah, yeah, exactly. Maybe not. Maybe we would have lost the game if we didn't concede that goal. Because it might have been a whole different dynamic coming out of the, the dressing rooms at half-time. Maybe we'd start more flatly, being more cagey, into easing our way into the game, and then get caught out. Or, or something similar happened to what did happen in the first half. Who knows? Interesting. Yeah, who knows? There's so many different we'll never possibilities. Know. We'll never know. And we never need to worry about knowing, because we did turn it round, didn't we? That second half... The three goals came in the 50th, 80th and 92nd minutes. Um, Veltman, Grosch and Welbeck, respectively. Uh, the first of those goals, um, it was a good team game um, a goal, wasn't it, really? Because we want to throw in very high up the pitch. Kukurea took it. There was a bit of passing about. Um, it got fed into Grosch, who just shuffled uh, a quick movement and got a quick cross in. Um, a West Ham defender did get a touch to it, but um, could only get as far as Solly, who did pretty well, actually. Sort of like a stretched out. Um, foot to pass the ball to Vel- uh, Veltman and um, unlikely scorer though he is he, he got a good a good hit on it in a fairly crowded box straight at goal, goalkeeper could do nothing other than just slow it right down it squeezed under him and over the line um, and we all went crazy um, good goal overall and a good good team effort I suppose, not the most glamorous goal but it was a decent, decent start to the half wasn't it? Yeah, he deserved as well because we were we were well on top at that point. I thought mm. that Fabianski probably should have done better, really, having got mm. so much on it. He he kind of let it slip under him, and he may have been a bit wrong, you know, a bit wrong blocked, and a bit kind of not being able to see that well. But I I still would have thought that you'd expect a, a Premier League goal. He would do better there, really, to be honest. I never yeah. really rated Fabianski that much. He's never been that. I've been quite surprised this season that he's been ahead of Ariola, his name was the guy who was, mm. who was at Fulham last year because he you know, on paper seen a much better option, but. Yeah, he had a he didn't have a great game in that sense, and yeah, that was what a, a, quite a big mistake. But yeah. on the other, he, he does save penalties, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, he, he's done one in, in phases this season. Um, you know, his, his, his nickname was Flappy Hansky, I think, from his earlier days, and you know, he, I think he's improved a bit. But I'm surprised he's kept Ariel around. Yeah, I think he's um, not not the most extraordinary of, uh, of goalkeepers, but. You know, I, I do think he could have done better with that particular chance, I have to admit. Um, not complaining though. <laughs> and, um, we continued to have a good second half, didn't we? We were the better side, I thought. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any particular instances in the game, um, which stood out before we got to our second goal, which was Pascal's goal, um, which was a brilliantly taken shot. Um, the, I mean, set up by Welbeck as well. Again, some good build-up play, lots of inter- interplay between players uh, just on the edge of the box. And, yeah, Grosh just on the turn, hit it with his left foot, top corner, beautiful, lovely goal. Uh, he's really stepped on, hasn't he, in the, the latter part of this season. Um, we, there's a, quite a few renditions of 
Pascal Gross, we want you to stay ringing out around the ground. Um, we think he's on the brink of signing a new deal because that's what Graham Potter said, also with Danny Welbeck. Um, but there have been a lot of rumours of him moving back to Germany. And I think he did state somewhere that he was kind of feeling a bit homesick here and there. So we're not 100% sure what's happening, but it does seem like he might stay. And on the basis of his last third of season form, maybe half season form, um, he's, he's been on fire, hasn't he? Um, Raymond, what, what would you like to see? Would you like to see him stay anyway? Well, um, I, I think he gives us some control, which I'm not sure any of the other midfielders give us quite the same control in midfield. And particularly if Basuma goes, um, which I assume is happening partly from sort of the way he came out at, uh, at the end of the match when all the players came out. But uh, I'm maybe wrong, but I've got that in, that impression. Because um, Basuma does the, you know, the good defensive work, the interceptions, the tackles, uh, changes the dynamic, brings the ball forward. But Gross is the one player who can sort of be on the ball and, and hold it and create space and, and is not afraid of, ta- of taking time when he needs to or moving the ball quickly when he needs to. And uh, none of the other players have quite that same degree of control. He's a technician and he's, he's um, an intelligent player as well, isn't he? Yeah, I think that that is. I mean, you get sort of, I mean, McAllister's an excellent technician, but he hasn't got quite that same vision yet. And I'm not saying he won't get it, but he hasn't as yet. Um, he can still hit a dynamic pass McAllister in the same way that Gross can. But uh, he hasn't got, I think it's just that experience of reading games. You've played X number of games. Uh, which McAllister, because of his age, just simply hasn't. It makes a difference. And I, with Adam Lallana, I've, I'm just n- not sure about his fitness. So having an, an older, wiser head who can go into midfield, slow the game down if it needs to, I hope he stays. I mean, you know, if he could stay a season, I think it would help. But what we don't want to do is be breaking up the team just when we're, it's beginning to gel and come together. And going back to an earlier thing. I mean, Potter um, uh, is, um, I felt, had his best back three, the most fluid back three, when we were playing some of our best football, was with the Veltman, Dunk, Cucurella back three. And in funny mm. way, I thought we lost a bit when we brought in Webster. I mean, you know, it sounds strange, because that isn't what I would have said six months ago. No, partly due to match sharpness and all the other stuff, but yeah. partly to do with, as you said, the configuration of the team. But, but, well it, they're but, it, but also people like Casido, Casido rarely passes the ball back, sideways occasionally, but he nearly always moves the ball on, moves it forward. Um, and Wepo is, is much the same. I mean, we suddenly seem to be playing a sort of potter ball um, in a slightly more positive way. We seem to be in the last few games, moving it forward that bit quicker. The passing is just that bit faster than it has been. And we've been creating space, which I think is actually what's led to the goals. Mm. And I think, you know, it's uh, another conversation for another day or for later today, perhaps. But you know, where we strengthen them and where we do it or who we bring back in who's been out on loan, we need those sort of players who, who can fit into what we're doing now as opposed to what we were doing in the first half of the season. Hmm. Yeah, so so to pick up on a couple of points there, I think the goal point, I think I thought it was a really nice goal, that second goal. The one touch stuff to play around the area into Grosh and obviously the finish was 
but his wrong foot was superb. But on Grosh, you, you, you mentioned Alana. I think part of the problem earlier in the season was that he and Alana were playing together, and they they don't have the pace to offer the two of them to do that. Especially someone like Palace, where they didn't really have anyone else in central midfield. It's just the two of them, and they didn't have the options. And that's where it doesn't work because they're two. But with the other players around, like Casado, like Mwepu, like Basuma, who've got the pace to cover for them, then someone like Grosh, or I think if he's fit enough, Lalana on his own rather than with Grosh, could work pretty well. I think they'll, they're quite good options. But I don't think playing together, they they are they're too slow in the middle of the park and they slow the ball down too much. Mm. I think one of them's needed to provide control at times, and certainly game, there are games where we need someone like that. I'd say especially games where maybe every team's sitting deep a bit sometimes, and we need to kind of break them down. Yesterday, for example, West Ham, we were putting a few balls in the box in the first half. We were never going to score from a header from a cross. I know we did in the corner at the end, but generally I didn't think we were because they've got two dominant centre backs, and we, we're you know Welbeck. Although he's decent in the air, isn't going to, isn't a hard, it's hard to compete against those two. Where we were getting quite a lot of, you know, even in the first half when we were struggling a bit, was the quick ball forward and trying to break through them. And we, you know, the final ball wasn't that great in the first half, but we, we had chances through that. And that's what we do at work well second half. The quick movement, the movement in and around their area like we did for the second goal. And it worked really well. And, and to agree the first one as well, because Feltman's down, down the space. And West Ham's, I'd say, I'd say the pairing of Zuma and Dawson are pretty lumbering. You know, they're decent players, but they're not. It's sort of Zuma, of course, who got abused the whole game, which was quite funny. Obviously, there are a lot of, a lot of well, cat fans in the ground. Yeah, I think so. There were a couple of inflatable cats, apparently, somewhere. I don't know. That's, uh, yeah, he, he's still getting a dog's abuse, or rather cat's abuse in this case, for that, isn't he? Yeah. He's probably getting support from dogs, isn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I mean, the, sorry, Raymond, Jack. Yeah. I one thought about, uh, Ross. It's the first time I can remember him. <laughs> Scoring with his left foot, uh, he may well have done. I uh, just wondered when he turned the foot onto his left foot, and I uh, spectacular. And I just wondered how many goals he might have scored if he'd started yeah. his left foot sooner. <laughs> yeah, because I mean that that shot as well. It's so easy to get that wrong, isn't it? When you're turning and swiveling and shooting, usually it gets spooned wide. It, it sort of curves off, doesn't it? To get that degree of accuracy with that foot, yeah, I'm I'm all in favour of seeing some more of that. I have to say. Um, and it was, it was great, as was his assist for the, um, the injury time icing on the cake goal. Uh, Welbeck, two minutes into injury time, heading in, uh, Grosh's excellently delivered, perfectly placed corner. Um, pretty good stuff, Peter. Yeah, West Ham had lost it by then, hadn't they? But once they went 2-1 down, they, they just looked like they'd yeah, given true. up. They needed to win, and they weren't going to win from there. So they, I mean, Welbeck should have scored earlier with that header, but 2-1, well, and it was like, with yeah. Like you already hit it straight at the keeper. In anywhere else but that, that was three one at that point. But yeah, it was actually a much, probably a much harder header actually from the corner because it was angling it back across. But he took it really well. And yeah, I mean it was nice to second three 0 second half win in a, a row at home, which is pretty good. Uh, perhaps, I mean Welbeck almost seems to do the harder finishes better, and the ones he should score he doesn't because that sounds like more pay. Two fairly straightforward. Headers in successive games. Yeah. Because he's buried and didn't. I mean, the Leeds one, and obviously the, uh, the one yesterday, which I thought was even easier. I thought. Yeah, at least he didn't hit the, he did hit the target yesterday, I suppose, but he still, yeah, and he should have been able to add the power. He was like, it's such a good, it was a good Lamptey's cross. It was a brilliant cross. And from, yeah, from not very much, no, not that promising a position as well to get it on his head. And it, yeah, he, no, yeah, you've yeah. got to, you've got to head that down, haven't you? I know it's easy for us to say. Oh, yeah, I think he just sent it to the goalkeeper, but he certainly came in on it. I mean, he, he judged it perfectly well, but, you know, he just didn't, 
just didn't direct it in the right area. I mean, I, I think it's been sort of three foot to the right or left, he probably would have scored. Or I done, think, if you say. Peter. Absolutely, and he, he really has added some value. Um, but, uh, but yes, there's certain, certain chances still missed. Uh, I thought the atmosphere was uh, very good again. Um, that's the third yeah. game in a row where I think the atmosphere has been good because it was good against Southampton as well as the United game. Obviously, you know, the way that the game pans out then dictates exactly how good it is. But, um, I, I thought maybe the extra hour drinking for a four o'clock kickoff helped. I don't know. It certainly did in my case. Uh, <laughs> but, um, overall, I think, um, it's been a lot more positive again and it's been nice to get some decent results at home for yeah. those, um, fans who've barely seen a win. And often have not seen any goals either. Um, I think everyone was delighted. It was good because it's the final game of the season. Of course, you know, the, the lap of honour and seeing players off as well. Uh, people stayed behind in larger numbers as well, of course, for that. But that was all good to see. Um, in terms of um, support, by the way, and um, Peter, I know you wanted to have a rant about West Ham fans in a moment. But I'll start off with, in the interest of balance, of just a couple of things on the BBC comments. Uh, there's one guy on there who's a West Ham fan who said, uh, he, well, he said gutted about today, but proud of their season, going so far in Europe with little squads, two years of being a relegation candidate, something to be proud of and to build on. And went on to say, well played Brighton, by the way, really good team, who we may beat before I pop my clogs. <laughs> I don't know how old this guy is, but they have been waiting a while, haven't they? Because it's been, I think, um, what's that now? Five seasons, ten games, uh, unbeaten against them. Um, and it's been great. I've quite enjoyed it. Um, there's also one other person who put something on here. Where is it? From a Hammers fan, Brighton, what a class act on and off the field. We fluffed our lines, but Brighton are no mugs. Well played. Um, and there's, there's some more platitudes along the same lines. Um, someone else saying Graham Porter. Well, Graham Porter, they've said. I think they mean Potter. Is a real deal of a coach, and he's doing an amazing job in Brighton, etc., uh, etc. Et Bloody brilliant Brighton ninth. What a season. Please turn those draws into win next season. Up the up the Albion. That's obviously for a Brighton fan that one. Um, but some favourable comments from some West Ham fans, which is good to, to to balance things out because I've had nothing but bad experiences from the away games at West Ham. Um, a couple of friends being assaulted, uh, homophobia at pretty much all of the games I've been to there, including in the previous era at the Bolin Ground slash Upton Park. Um, there was a guy making a, an offhand comment about um, holding hands on the train as well uh, on the way down to this game. Oh, I mean, it wasn't he wasn't saying it to other people. He was just sneerily saying it in amongst his friends there. Um, and you, Peter, I think said that there was some hassles with some of the fans badly behaved at the station as well. Yeah, there was a little bit of trouble, or not really trouble, but some a couple of people acting like dickheads basically. Thinking mm. West Ham fans after the guy had to leave up the, pretty much at full time, which was. Yeah, shame to miss the post-match stuff, but yeah, there was a few couple of people acting like like dickheads. I think mm-hmm. I think the the interesting point about the um the West Ham unbeaten run is that we hadn't actually won them at previous six games as well. Yeah, <laughs> all the last six. Because our first in six again in six were against them. But yeah, yeah. So West Ham fans on Twitter, I've seen. Although to be fair, not loads. This is a very minor rank compared to my normal Leeds or Newcastle <laughs> ones. It's all like kind of. You know, pretty, pretty mild, but. Well, that's far, far, far away. I've got my popcorn ready. I'm, I'm I've seen quite a it. few comments from West Ham fans saying, saying how, expressing disbelief about how they couldn't beat Brighton and how they don't deserve the Europa League if they can't beat Brighton. And I, I just find it odd that any of them would think that considering they failed to beat us in nine games in the division before yesterday. I, I don't understand how a, a team that you've not beaten in nine, you can be genuinely surprised that you've not beaten again in the 10th game. It just yeah, seems and- really odd. 
And he's only and, like ended up only what three positions below them. No, yeah, and, and one point them. behind Leicester, who got to a European semi-final. So yeah. you know, it's not as if we've we're, we're yeah. not. Um, putting it just on weight feels yet. like you know. I mean, I get that the previous years we've been down in fifteenth, sixteenth, and people can underestimate us. But they still didn't. So were they. They, <laughs> so they, they didn't beat us then. So it's like, well, <laughs> why would you think now that we're ninth and doing quite well that you'd beat us when you couldn't do it when we were terrible or at least relatively terrible anyway? Poor anyway. Um, we've been on bad runs and still not lost at West Ham. They've been three one up at home to us and they've still not beaten us. Yeah, it, it's I don't understand what part of what you know what it'll take for them to be. I mean, I'm not saying they're never going to beat us or that they'll probably probably win the next one now. But why they come in expecting to beat us is I find odd because I didn't expect to beat them necessarily. I remember some years years back in the Championship. I can't remember which year it was, but they had a, a, a thumping win up, up there. I don't. Or they moved to the Olympic Stadium. And they beat us about 5-1 or something. 6-0 was the last time they beat yeah, us. 6-0. I mean, it, really was a, it really was quite a something. So it, it, it has happened. But interestingly enough, I, the thing I throw back at, I think, the Hammers supporters, is that only three teams in the Premier League lost less games than we did. And needless to say, they were Manchester City, Liverpool and Chelsea. Tottenham lost the same number. And everybody else lost more games. So from a not being beaten perspective, Brighton are fourth equal. So even West- more illogical then, their view. It's very weird, I- isn't it? It's like, why would you, I don't understand why anyone, barring maybe City Liverpool, would expect to beat us. You know, kind of, given our record against the big six as well, was pretty good. It's, it's just, I understand that you'd want to and you'd think you should, you know, maybe kind of, but to get, to get so annoyed when, of, of it that you go and say we should have beaten this team online is just a bit, Insulting, we're not, we're not like the first team up, we're not Nor- Norwich or Watford. No. I mean, they lost 14 games. We lost 11. You know, it's, uh, I mean, the, the, the key thing is, uh, I think Russell, you've said in the past, is the, the problem we had of, uh, uh, all the goalless draws, which we, which we should, should have won. We must be the only team in the league other than Norwich who didn't score a goal against Norwich. Um, <laughs> for example. Indeed, uh, yeah. I mean, if we if we'd have got if we'd have got the wins that we should have done against Norwich because they were poor in both matches. The problem was we weren't good enough. But um, if we'd have got those four points, that's that's basically pretty much Europe, isn't it? Then um, just from from that game, but, that fixture. If you, in, if you throw in the the first game at home against Leeds, and you throw in the, mm. the game against Arsenal, where we completely and up. Newcastle as well when they were bad, and we drew at home with them. There were you know, that's five games where we. You know, drop ten points, and uh, yes, uh, ten points. Brighton would have been on uh, uh, sixty-one, and thank you very much. We um, would have been above Manchester United and uh, into the Euro- Europa League. So that would have been amazing. Can you imagine being above Man United, <laughs> Peter? Before we get too carried away with adding on a lot of points, please remember how many late equalisers we also <laughs> yes, got. Over I, I knew season. this was coming. <laughs> I mean, yeah. when we kind of like equalise late on in so many games, I think to take the points we've got is probably a fair enough. Yes, yes no, we should have won certain games. We also could easily have lost some games as well. And, you know, ones where like Liverpool away, we, Mane, we, we probably got stuffed if Mane's goal had counted. And we'd have, you know, there are all sorts of games you can come back with. Burnley away, we, Burnley away, we should have been out of sight before. Burnley should have been out of sight at half time, three up or something like that. And we would have, could have lost it. So Leicester home, we were lucky to to win because of, you know, or I, I still think the decisions were right, but on another day I can imagine them not being given, you know, there's, there's a lot of this. There's, you get what you deserve at the end of the season generally. And we, we, we scored an awful, which is why I was a bit relaxed about Leeds last weekend, previous weekend, because, um, you know, 
how, given how but, many they equalised, yeah, we just one was always going to go against us. But if we were going to, um, uh, if we've got the what I call Ferguson Manchester United habit, that is not a bad habit, you know. Clawing and getting a draw in the last minute. A number of times they won matches or drew matches you know, during the Ferguson years. I mean, time. I mean, it happened. You know, it didn't happen once a season. It happened, you know, to yeah. almost every other game. And uh, you know, a Manchester United team weren't beaten until five till five seconds after the whistle had gone. Um, and I say that advisedly after that ridiculous thing last season where they had so much extra time added on. And, and got the, uh, got the winner, which they shouldn't have done. But it's, no, I mean, I, I think we're showing a resilience, which yeah. we haven't done in the past, and I think that's good. I, I'd be interested to see how we incorporate Undab, if he does, because I, I just want to think he might have the physicality to hold the ball up closer to the pen, on the edge of the penalty area a bit, and be able to lay the ball off to players coming in a sense, like Veltman did mm. um, of yesterday. Somebody running from deeper, coming up to them, but they're laying it off to them. And that that might help, something like that. And yeah. it might enable Welbeck then to run the lines, get in behind, uh, take the, the wider spaces. Which he likes to. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is more central. And I think Welbeck's more effective when he's doing that. Mm. Peter, I, I, I don't know if it's you or your cat that wanted to speak next. Is that your cat? It wasn't my cat. I was, it might have been Zip came in and went out again. Oh, but Zip. It wasn't, it wasn't any of my cats, surprisingly, no, for <laughs> once. Um, I, yeah, I was just going to say, I, I wasn't complaining about the fact we scored quite a lot of late goals, but I was just more saying you need to balance it out with in terms of the losing. The other big, big change that we've had from the previous season, where we had the most points dropped from ahead, was that we only dropped... Six points, I think it was, from winning position, which was Southampton, Leeds and Newcastle draws. And whereas we got, I think, two wins, Burnley and West Ham, and about eight draws from when we, when we went behind. The previous year was the other way around. And to be fair, this season we've gone ahead a lot fewer times, I think. Yeah. It's, it's we've we've turned games round altogether as well, haven't yeah. we? For example, right. Burnley, we, for example, West Ham. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, yeah, we've come back from behind a lot more this year. On the other hand, okay. we weren't behind. We didn't go one down very often the previous season. Yeah. So... It, 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 what we need to do is balance out the, if we could get the, taking the lead from two years ago and keeping the lead from this season, we'd probably win the league. Yeah. But I think actually that, that last season, I know they had a fair sent off, but we came back from 2-0 down to win 3-2 against Man City. At Anfield this year, we were 2-0 down in, in, in the first half, came back to draw 2 all, and I, but for a very close, but correct, Offside decision, we, we might have won 3-2. We've come back from 3-1 to win 3-1 against West Ham, having been one goal down. I mean, that's not what we were doing when we first got into uh, into the PL. Yeah, especially against the bigger teams when it was, you know, kind of we were trying to just step back and hold on to 0-0. And once we conceded, we didn't really have any option to do anything, did we? It was just kind of like try and reduce the scoreline. Um, the other thing with late goals, we were talking about this. This has been a phenomenon th- through the season, especially when we had this long run of draws that seem to be happening. But we have continued to score late goals as the season's worn on. For example, um, we had Trossard's 90th minute winner against Spurs. A couple of games later, um, or three games later, we, we obviously we won three nil at Wolves, but there was a an 86th minute final goal there from Basuma. And then, of course, in the Man United, uh, not the Man United game, sorry, the um, 
uh, West Ham United game well back 92nd minute. So we're still getting some of those late goals. This Fergie time element, you know, it does show mental resi- resilience, mental resolve, concentration, probably fitness levels in order to, to achieve all of the, all of the former things I've listed there. Um, I think that, that bodes well. Um, the final word on West Ham, I think, really, because we want to move on just a couple of other subjects before we finish. Um, anybody you pick out as a standout man of the match from the game on Sunday? Um, I'm not sure if I can really decide. Peter? Feltman for me. I thought he, was, I thought mm. he was really good first half. I managed a, a pretty ordinary performance. And then, yeah, it, ignoring the goals. I, don't, I wouldn't particularly give him that much credit for the goals. I don't think it was that great a shot. It was, it was hit quite well, but it wasn't like... And you know, a brilliant finish. Mm. I think Cooper should have saved it. But just generally, I mean, the guy is like a minimum seven out of ten every game. But I thought he was nine, yeah. nine, nine and a half yesterday. Yeah, he, he, and that time when he basically shrugged off Antonio in a halfway line and left him on his on his backside and just walked away with the ball. And the other one when he just kind of dummied about three times to beat play it, but beat three players and then just walked but walked away and passed it calmly. It was yeah, he's a superb player. How on earth yeah. the the idea of seeing players like him comes off about even ten years ago was. Just, we've just been yeah. ridiculous. But. And you could, you could talk about, um, the value of, when, he, when he's cost so little, relatively speaking, the, the value of goals that he scored here, just one goal he scored, um, which turned or started to turn the game around. Um, you know, even that alone has probably paid for his, uh, fee, hasn't it? <laughs> really, pretty much. Um, I, over, I, I think probably. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't disagree with your notion of Veltman. I, I didn't see anybody better on the pitch, I don't think. Uh, Raymond, what about you? I mean, for me, uh, it was Ross. Uh, I thought he, uh, I thought he yeah. played well. I agree about Beltman. I thought he played well. And, uh, I mean, I was pleased to see he came forward and got the goal. So I feel sometimes he doesn't offer enough in attack. And a number of times he, he hits a ball, that sort of diagonal ball from the right flank. And it goes nowhere. <laughs> or normally goes out, out on the far side of the goal for a goal kick. Um, it's the one area of his go- of his game that I think is slightly weak. Mark you, if if he had that strength, then we wouldn't have been able to buy him for nine hundred and ten thousand pounds. He probably would have cost something you know, more like twenty million or something like that. And not tidy for us. I mean, you know, he just had a ridiculously low uh, sort of buyout clause, and um, we had tracked him for two or three years, and he was aware of the fact that we. So we were able to pick him up um, for a cheap bit. I mean, fantastic value. I also mm. thought, yet again, I thought, personally, I thought that, uh, Casido had a good game. I mean, he, yeah. he did one wayward pass very early on in the game, but apart from that, you know, I didn't think he, he didn't put a foot wrong. And he's, you know, for such a young player, just just turned twenty, I think. Um, mm. You know, he's. I mean, if he continues to develop, if that's how good he is at that age, he's going to be some player. And to pick him up for four and a half mil is, you know, is another fantastic value, um, which may lead on to another subject. But I think a lot of the investments we have made recently, I mean, some haven't worked out, obviously. But whereas sort of seven years ago, we, or even four or five years ago, we weren't buying that cleverly. We do seem to be buying much more astutely with much more of a plan of what we're doing and getting the Modders, the McAllisters, mm-hmm. um, the uh, Kalowskis possibly, um, the Undabs, the, the Mitomas, the Van Hecks of this world, the Cardras. I mean, we do seem to be you know, 
generating a lot of young players who seem to have the technical ability and potential to really become first team players. Yeah, I, I agree with you, actually. I think I was, I was going to pick up on something else quickly, but I'll, while you're talking about Casado, you know, he looks to me like he's played like 100 Premier League games or something like that rather than 10 or whatever it is. So, it, well, not even 10, is it? I mean, he, he looks a class above. I think, we, was it Tim Vickery said at one point that if he was Brazilian, he'd, he'd be costed like about 10 times what he did, but because he's from Ecuador, you know, he kind of, people haven't really heard of him. And he, I mean, the fact that we gossip is, is just crazy. And his ceiling, I think, is a lot higher than Basuma's. I think he'll go for a lot more money eventually, a year or two's time, maybe two, than, than Basuma. Um, and l- linking to what you're saying, actually, I was talking to my dad yesterday before the game, we were saying the genuine, well, I think the first couple of seasons, we were trying to pick up players maybe at their peak, the likes of Jahan Batch and Lacardi are a bit older, like 26, 27 sort of thing. And, and Done as well. And, but now we, we seem to be aiming for either younger players who've got promise or the more experienced Feltmans or the Lanas or whatever we can pick up maybe for a free and, and pay their wages. And so there's a kind of like good mix of the experience and the young. But we don't really have that many players of what you call their actual peak age in terms yeah. of games that we sign at or that we sign at their peak age anyway. And it's a kind of, it's a, it seems to be a, a transfer policy. The, the one other thing I'll quickly say about in terms of players from yesterday, um, I think it's worth a mention because he's had a bit of up and down run recently and he's not really, he's got quite a lot of stick from certain people on BBC Sussex rather unfairly as well. But I thought Moke was superb second half yesterday. He, yeah. he was one of the big differences and he hassled their defence and he caused some problems and they couldn't deal with him and Welbeck together. And he was one of the big reasons that we, we got back into the game. And yeah, he seems to have got a lot of stick from certain people, fans and also, yeah, Warren Aspinall for, whatever reason, and it shows that he is still very much, you know, keen to play for the club and wants to you know, be part of it, and I was really pleased to see him come on, and shame he couldn't have got a goal, but it was, yeah, good to see him come on and really contribute. Yeah, but good I, point. I'd second that, actually. I know Roger um, <laughs> would not necessarily agree with one, but actually, I thought, coming back to what one said earlier, the fact we had two people pressing uh, their central defenders and people, I think did have an effect. Yeah. Roger being the cha- Singles of London chairman, by the way, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, we're talking about that. He's not a big fan of Morpé, <laughs> but um, I, I'm in mixed views on him. I've got some stats, actually, which um, quite, I think bear out quite interestingly. I've looked at the goal scorers this season. I think this encompasses all competitions. Morpé is our top scorer still with nine goals and two assists. Um, second is Trossard, only one behind, and he might have equaled it if, if he'd been available. Uh, he's got eight and three assists. And then you've got Danny Welbeck is now up onto six with two assists. Uh, McAllister, five with four. Uh, Enoch Mwepu, three with five assists. And then you've got Webster, three goals, no, no assists. And then a load of people on uh, smaller scoring. Jakob Mora, Pascal Grosch, Yves Basuma, Aaron Connolly, believe it or not, um, all on two for the season. The and the rest are the, the 17 scorers altogether. The others are... Um, all with one goal, Moises Casado, Marco Correa, Joel Veltman now, of course, Andy Zakiri from an earlier cut match, uh, Dan Byrne, Shane Duffy and Lewis Dunk. Um, what I found interesting about the stats I've been looking at is uh, Neil Morpé, the top scorer, 36% shot accuracy, however they measure that. And if you look at the next ones on the list, Trossard has 53%, Welbeck 59%, McAllister 42%, Mwepu 47%, uh, Webster, 50% shot accuracy. And then you've got Modder on 44, Grosh on 45. That tells you where the real technicians are in this, I think. Um, Bissouma, 35. He's, that's the, that's the, how far down you have to go to kind of the, um, the ninth on the list. 
to get someone with a lower shot accuracy than Neil Morpé. He does have to have chance, a few chances to get some in, doesn't he? Um, Connolly's incidentally was 50%, which is interesting. But Moises Caicedo is top with 67% shot accuracy. Another reason why he's, he's going to be an exciting and poss- possibly even improving presence uh, on Basuma if Basuma does go, because I think um, that's the one area where where uh, Eve is, is weak, isn't it, really, with, with shot accuracy. He's only got a couple of goals um, there that we've mentioned. One of those was deflected goal against Spurs. Um, he also know, tends to miss spectacularly as well, rather than... Yes, you know, whereas Wadder, yeah. I think, generally gets quite close and often just hit the bar and that sort of thing, and, you know, it's been yeah. unlucky. Basuma yeah. tends to make to be more dangerous to Rose Ed than he does to the goal. Yeah, and those those defenders, interesting, just looking at that in isolation, our centre-back, Webster 50%, uh, Veltman 50%, by the way, uh, Dan Byrne 50%, and Lewis Dunk 54%. So they don't get as many chances maybe as they should have done over the course of the season, but when they have had them, they've, um, they've got them on target, which is good, good to see. Um, any thoughts on that, um, Raymond? Well, I don't actually know how many, of course, the difficulty there, how many shots they've had. Because um, you know, that's... Yeah. If you've only had six shots, you might have got three and target it. The 50% sounds more impressive than if you've... Uh, yeah, I've got, I have got the stats for that, but it might be a bit long-winded to go yeah. through them all. <laughs> if you've had 50 shots and had 25 on target, so it's... Um, and Dunk, Dunk's had 13 shots. I presume this includes headers as well. Um, so that's that's pretty impressive, for example. Um, Dan Bernini had eight. Uh, Moises Casado six, and... Um, uh, who was that on Webster has had eight attempts as well. So not bad. And um, the, the highest number of shots, by the way, for if you're interested while we're on the subject, is Trossard with 51 and he's got the 53% ratio. Um, Neil, Neil Morpé just behind on 50 shots and 36% ratio. Um, 18% goal conversion, which is not, not too far off, off a par with everyone else. Um, I think it, that, that, Actual element is okay. Webster's is, I think, the highest goal conversion rate with 38%, which is interesting, um, followed by uh, Aaron Connolly, <laughs> would you believe? Uh, anyway, um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, interesting stats in there sometimes, I think, when you look at that. I, it makes you wonder what Neil Morpé's role is going to be going forward. If he can play as he did in that second half uh, yesterday and in some of the other games he's played, that would certainly help. Um, I think he'll remain a squad member from our point of view if we, if he's happy to stay. I think we'll, we'll keep him on and he would form part of our front line. Um, but I do think competition for places might help. Maybe he's fired up in that second half by the fact that he's not been getting much game time because Danny Welbeck's been fit and available and on form. Um, and next season, of course, we'll have Undav as well. I don't think we'll have Aaron Connolly back. <laughs> that's my, that's my solid prediction, but. Yeah, interesting stuff. Who knows? Who knows where it goes? Um, well, unless there's any more points on that, just wanted to finish by talking about the. Oh, hang on. no, there is a there is a point, Raymond. Over to you. I, I, I just think that Morpé, to me, always seems to play better when he's playing alongside somebody, yeah. not not as the main striker. So I don't really think he is a a typical number nine, and I think he, you know, I feel he plays better off somebody, and I've always felt. He's looked more dangerous when he's playing with Welbeck. Yeah. I, I consistently felt that because they, they, their movement is different. Apart from you know, they, they run different lines and that sort of thing. And Morpé is the better presser, I think, and putting starting our defence from 
from the, the opposition's penalty area. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I feel they work quite well together. Mm. I agree with that. Yeah. He is better, isn't he, in a two. Um, and he has done well. He's linked up well with Danny Welbeck on a number of occasions. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just moving things on then, just to the final subject, which is really summary of the rest of the Premier League season. And we will also mention Sunderland. Congratulations to them. They finally managed to get out of the uh, League One the quandary they've been in for four or five years. Um, a 2-0 win over Wickham, I think, was deserved on the day. But as far as the Premier League went, um, the following day, the Sunday, um, obviously we talked about the Albion game. Um, we've had a, quite a bit of drama, haven't we, going on? I mean, the Man City-Liverpool title race took on some amazing uh, stories. In the end, it was City that, that, that were able to hold on to that lead in the table. Uh, one point ahead at start of play, they just needed to match Liverpool's results. And they decided to go 2-0 down at home to... Uh, Liverpool's own Steven Gerrard's um, Aston Villa team. Um, meantime, Liverpool didn't seem capable of beating what has been in recent weeks a poor wall side. Um, I think they um, it was one all for quite a long time. I, I lost track of the timeline a bit because of following our game, but um, I, as I said, Liverpool went ahead. I think was the yeah the, Liverpool were never in top position at all. No, because it was just a matter of when they were one all and City were two nil. You think well. <laughs> You know, this, this could, this, all they've got to do is score now and it's, it's likely to happen. But of course what happened was City scored three goals in about five minutes or something, didn't they? Um, to turn it round, incredible. Um, I think two goals in one minute, I think, um, as well along the way. Um, to, to clinch it, Gundogan with his second goal, I think, um, making the difference, the Aguero moment, I suppose, of this season. Um, Liverpool ending up 3-1 winners. Um, no surprise, really. I, I thought the moment Man City got knocked out of the Champions League, that that, that was a nailed-on certainty they were going to win the, the Premier League. They weren't, and they probably shouldn't be going without a trophy this season. They are a magnificent side of incredible standard. Um, for them to have been trophyless this season would have felt like a crime, really, wouldn't it? And I think they deserve it. You know, you just go on the, on the table in the end. Very, very close, though. And Liverpool... I'd already got two trophies in the bag and they've of course got the possibility of getting revenge on Real Madrid in the Champions League final this coming Saturday. Um, I, I, good luck to them. I hope the English team win in this, on this occasion. I can't stand Real Madrid, another one on my list. So for that reason alone, I'd love to see Liverpool win it. It would also make things a bit more interesting in the overall winning stats, you know, getting closer to Real, who are the top dogs, aren't they, with 13, is it? I think a Liverpool on six. So I'd like to see that gap close a little bit as well. But um, congratulations to Man City. Um, brilliant, um, brilliant season. And what, what a manager, what a team. Uh, what, what an era, really, with the two clubs. It's been absolutely incredible. Um, I don't know if you guys have got any comments on that, or do you want to get straight into talking about the disappointment, Peter, at the bottom of the table? <laughs> yeah, not really. <laughs> yes, Peter's favourite team, unfortunately, or everyone's second favourite team, according to Martin Kewen, um created what also, according to Martin Kewen, is one of the greatest escapes ever. Yes, Leeds that have been in the relegation zone for about five seconds um, managed to pull their way out in apparently the greatest ever escape. You've got to love Martin Kewen. I mean, Leeds didn't need a late winner in the end because Burnley were losing, but um, but they did finish it off in injury time. Uh, apparently, Limbs all over the place in the Brentford away but end there. They were a bit behind the, they were a bit ahead of the Burnley game, so it was actually an important goal. So oh, was it? Burnley right. were a couple of minutes behind, I think, finishing. So if Leeds yeah. had ended at one all, then Burnley would have had two minutes maybe to kind of really throw everything at it, whereas obviously the, 
the goal kind of get, meant they gave up or whatever. It's, uh, that's what I got from watching Match of the Day anyway, I think, last night. And they had the kind of two running concurrently. And they were, I think Burnley were a couple of minutes behind them. Yeah. And tragically, we, we do therefore lose Burnley. What a shame. What a shame. Uh, what, what I'm never going to Burnley again in my life. I wish you soon. <laughs> There was a, someone put something on social media with a picture of the White Lives Matter banner that was flown above the ground during the Black Lives Matter um, uh, stuff that was going on, uh, saying all relegations matter in the uh, in the post, which was quite funny. But um, you know, we're, they they go with our blessing, don't they, Peter? <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> um, uh, they they might struggle to come back up again. They've got this weird thing where they owe their owners like sixty million quid or something yeah, like that. Which was a condition yeah. of the buyout. They they they're, borrowed money against them. They're losing Tarkowski on a free. I imagine they're probably gonna lose Pope, Cornet, who I actually yeah. think we could be interested in actually. If I'm not convinced we're gonna get a, a a higher up. If we if we he plays further forward, he could still play with Kukurea, but also cover Kukurea's position yeah. when he's not available or something like that. So I wonder if he might be on can take target. McNeil I think will go as well. Yeah, um, and, got, I think they're yeah. going to struggle next year, maybe to come straight back up again. Yeah, and and would this be the moment where now Daesh having gone is is bad news? I think it seems yeah. to have turned things around. But would Daesh be better suited, having won a promotion before from that division, to have been the the person to take them forward? Who knows? Before, before um, can I just make one more point? For it's, it's really amusing to think that we're actually now much better off than all three teams who screws over promotion that year. Burnley for the Barton stamp when he should have been sent off in that two-all draw. Yeah. Middlesbrough for the. Uh, the t- sending off the Stevens and, and the pitch play for the playoff stuff. All three yeah. of them are worse off than us now. So, uh, yeah. entertaining point. Yeah, very much so. And um, Raymond? Well, I was going to say that, uh, I think in terms of the Burnley Leeds thing, I, I, uh, you know, I almost wanted both teams to go down <laughs> as I was saying earlier, but the point of uh, Peter sort of Cornette, um, Russell and I, some weeks ago, were having a conversation about Cornet, saying that he's just the sort of player, he's got the versatility, and I suspect he could play on the right as well as the left. And if we could have another, you know, a sort of somebody who can play wing-back, sort of full-back, who can play further forward. So we're not just dependent on Lamptey March, who isn't really a sort of defender, but can do a job at wing-back, and Cucurella, who you know, it's a question of playing quicker in his best place. We need to strengthen in that position. And Cornet, you know, could not only help cover that, but he could also, you know, uh, offer something else in, in other positions. And I think it would be well worthwhile. Whether Burnley would want to sell it, well, I think there's a move point. And, yeah, would they, would they have a choice, really, with the finances? Yeah, yeah, who knows? I think they are in some degree of trouble, actually, Burnley. And yeah, yeah. he might well add something, Cornet. Yeah, he is the one who thought he was on loan there as well. So maybe I think he'll probably be pushing <laughs> to leave. So. Yeah, he said he said he he's, he wants to go back to his mother club. I think, Hang on a minute, you signed a five-year permanent deal, mate. That's quite a classic. It really doesn't doesn't give you you, know, you hear about these stories and you think footballers don't do themselves any favours sometimes. <laughs> he's not the brightest spot. He, he no, also pointed to the uh, he pointed but, to the ticket manufacturer's logo instead of the badge when he was posing for the, the yeah the pre-match photo shoots as well. Yeah, but he'd have at least one other French speaker uh, in, in, in Morpé, wouldn't he? So that would yeah, yeah. help. Uh, I wonder to what extent Burnley invest in the sort of thing Brighton do with Cucurella, which is having two two lessons each week on English um, mm-hmm. for the family. I mean, I'm sure they would do it, but twice a week, I, I just wonder whether Burnley would have had the, 
you know, would have done it or just done once a week. And, and, left and, and if he did, would it, would you speak English in a Northern accent then? <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> Maybe. Speaking of um, Kukurea, you look magnificent in your wig or someone else's wig that was plonked on your head, Raymond, on Sunday. Looked uh, very stylish, I thought. It's now the banner on one of our WhatsApp groups. That picture. <laughs> um, can we can we go to fi- final subject then, really? And um, it's something we talked about off air. Um, the pitch invasion situation has been going on. There's been a lot of problems. It continued, unfortunately, with the weekend's match. Um, well, Man City winning the title, exhilaration, genuine emotion spilling over, etc., and players, uh, sorry, fans spilling out onto the pitch um, happened. The crossbars got broken. One of them got broken. The other one nearly got broken by fans swinging on it. Apparently, I haven't seen the footage of that, but I've been told. Um, but unfortunately, there was another incident as well. Apparently, uh, somebody whacked um, Robin Olsen, uh, the Aston Villa goalkeeper, on the back of the head, uh, well, on the pitch. And um, that was his debut, I think it was. He, he, the Villa goalie, as a Martinez, isn't it, played every game this season. And then Olsen was given his debut at City, which is interesting. Um, and for quite a long time, was doing fine. But yeah, he um, kind of mars it a little bit for him. Um, but it was another incident. And Raymond, you've got a rather radical, you've got a Raymondism, as we like to call them, well, uh, a radical yeah. notion of how, how this could be stopped. Well, well, well my, my normal solution, um, as you know, for other things, is if um, clubs transgress on something like financial per play, whatever it is, there's actually a pointless finding. I mean, what's the point of finding, shall we say, Newcastle in the future? when all the Saudis have to do is to sell a couple more barrels of oil and they'll pay for the fine. But if you actually hit people with a, a deduction of points, that hurts. And if the crowd, you know, and it can be established that the person who has committed the outrage on Olsen uh, is indeed an opposition fan and, and not, uh, 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 I mean, it's a Man City fan yeah. in this. He's not but, a naughty Man U fan deliberately getting them a points yeah. deduction is what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you actually, you know, just deduct them the points. So just say, all right, it would have been a win, but your fans actually transgress, so you, you don't get that three points. Tough titty, you don't win the Premier League, and that's it. And obviously you get slightly lower prize money, so there's a small fine in, in, in there as well. And I think... You must know how popular fans, that guy would be then in that situation. <laughs> I just feel that the fans... I mean, you've got to obviously make sure that it is not somebody trying to you know, pretend to be, but yeah. it is a genuine situation. But having established that, that I think the fines, uh, a points deduction is more effective. I really do. I know that you know, others, and, you know, like our, our uh, chief executive and uh, vice chairman, you know, might, might share my sentiment, but doesn't think one could do it. Um, and I came up with a scenario last year, if you remember, where Manchester City would have been relegated after about the first five matches because of their questionable things on financial fair play and it wouldn't have mattered how many matches they won, they still would have got relegated but that's beside the point I think sort of sensible points deductions will make people behave and I think a lot of people behave properly at the end of the season, I know they haven't nobody else other than Man City had won the title um, and I can understand the euphoria when somebody does something for the first time and Man City are are becoming a bit of a habit of winning the Premier League at the moment. So I think you know, a message has to be sent somehow to them, and I'm not sure what it is. I think the points would be the most uh, effective, but not 
saw that people would wear that and obviously you know, would they challenge the decision in the courts, etc., etc. But fines, I it think. Could, it could get much. very messy, couldn't it? I mean, you look at the Forest situation. If he, you know, if they weren't allowed to have any fans at Wembley or they had to replay the match or something, you know, can you imagine? <laughs> it's, it's a minefield. It is, it is a, a growing problem. It's been acknowledged and you know, clear signs are being made by the FA and other authorities that they're going to clamp down on this. And it's a shame for the spectacle and for all the decent fans who are just trying to have a celebration. Um, there's people spoiling it, but it seems to have happened in four or five of the recent climactic games this season, which is very disappointing. But um, yes, Raymond, um, your your system could, could become very interesting. Maybe just go back to the old days of the stocks and just start throwing coins at them in the stocks. <laughs> What, what they were saying on Match of the Day yesterday, I think it's Match of the Day, but but recently, um, is that this is, it might be on the news, a sudden thing that started happening again since COVID. It wasn't happening to that extent before COVID. And with a return of people coming back to the ground, whether something, had, some dynamic has changed, which is causing them to do that, whether it's a form of release because of all the lockdown and the isolation, mm. I don't know. And I think it's an excuse. I think we've become more lawless. I think people have taken liberties a lot more, um, thinking, sod it, we'll do what we want, yeah. everyone else is. I think it's more that. Etc. Yeah, it sense, sets an example, doesn't it? Mm. So, um, you know, uh, at what point do you, you know, yes, you might not have been too bad, but, you know, if you set an example, you, you know, you've got to suffer for it. Um, yeah. and, but you were talking about the West Ham fans earlier. I went to several matches in days gone by at Upton Park by myself, and um, I never had any problem. And I, I have been more aware, but uh, on the f- few occasions I've been to the Olympic Park, a couple, two or three, that that fans are not behaving as well since they moved stadium. And I don't know if that's something anybody else has noticed, or whether I've just happened to have experienced it. And it's um, not, but whether there's been a change in the sort of West Ham fan mentality, but I always thought them as mm, a good football under you know, Jeff Hurst, Bobby Moore, et al. Yeah, I, th- I think, well, I can't speak for that era, but I, certainly the latter days of the Upton Park era, um, they, they were just as bad, really. They were throwing, throwing tea and other stuff from the upper tier onto fans, homophobic abuse. Um, each time, uh, sneery kind of behaviour as well outside the ground, um, pockets of trouble as well on occasion I've heard about, um, including some Brighton fans being attacked in a pub, I think, on one occasion. Um, so, yeah, I, d- I don't think there's been an overall behavioural change. You may have, yeah, as I said, you may have just noticed it by chance. Um, you happen to have been nearer to something than before, but uh, no, I think... And also, not, you have to greatest... go past it on the way now, don't you? It's not a walk away straight from the ground. You've got to walk all the way around and hmm. pick up all the West Ham fans on the way, so it yeah. kind of, you, you kind of you have to walk around the ground to get anywhere, which means that you're probably going to see any trouble there is, whereas before you could have just walked straight away one way or the other and travel was the other direction, then you wouldn't have seen it. True, yeah. Well, yeah. anyway, sorry, go on, Raymond, yeah. No, that's a fair comment. I, I, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. I mean, I, I went in the sort of late 70s, early 80s, hmm. yeah. Upton Park a lot, when we were last in the top division. Well, I'm surprised you didn't have run into more trouble at that era, because that was uh, 
rife with hooliganism at the time. But uh, anyway, it is what it is. We'll be put around this off because it's going to be a bit of an epic uh, length otherwise. But thank you very much, as always, for joining us, uh, Mr. Raymond Wright, the gent. Hope you've enjoyed yourself. My pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me, uh, Russell. And uh, uh, what a great season and uh, what a great uh, last two home games to to end on 4-0 Manchester United, 3-1 West Ham. So fantastic. Absolutely magnificent, isn't it? Thanks, thanks for joining us, Raymond. Uh, Pete, you go along with that as well. It's been a great season, yeah, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think I said on last last week. It's been a very odd season in a lot of ways because we've, yeah, we've had two really poor runs. Our longest, not our longest run without a win in the Premier League, and our longest run of defeats in the Premier League. Yet we've come in our highest ever historical position. I mean, yeah. you couldn't make it up really because if you told me at the start of the season we're going to have a six-game losing streak and eleven-game run without a win. I just thought we'd have been like struggling at the bottom and probably, you know, maybe we've been comfortably down. But yeah, I mean, the other runs have been brilliant. You know, four yeah. ones out of five, followed by seven unbeaten over Christmas, followed by one defeated nine at the end. So we 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 need to find a way if we can next season to try and end those those winning losing streaks more. You know, you know, we've we've had kind of run out of places, but. Generally, you can't ask for more. Ninth place is phenomenal, and um, yeah, yeah. And if, if if we can do that, that could be the difference, squeezing up into towards the yeah. European places. Let's hope so. The main thing is that we can at least achieve what we did this season, next season again, uh, at, the, at the basis. Um, you know, finishing above Palace, being top half. I'm happy with that, to be honest. However, if we can manage to get into Europe, bonus, absolute bonus. Anyway, thank you again to Raymond. Um, we got one, to... one final yeah. comment though, is that I thought uh, Ian Wright, right here. Uh, yep. did point out, you know, and they were very complimentary about Brighton and the football we played and just saying that if we could just find that person who could finish the half chances you know what a fault we'd be yeah and on that note that's a good sentiment to end so we'll, we'll do a, we'll be doing our review of the season and that'll be coming up in due course we'll also probably have a couple of other specials and things going off over the summer we might have a bit of a break this time I think we went all the way through last year but uh, we'll no doubt have a bit of break time as well during the summer and then eventually reconvening and time for the new season but we will be back with our review next episode in the meantime Peter stand or fall up the Albion uh-huh. Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs>